Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. Days with him, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he convened the court, ordered that Paul be brought before him. When Paul appeared, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many serious charges against him, which they could not prove. Then Paul made his defense, I have done nothing wrong against the law of the Jews, or against the temple, or against Caesar. Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges? But Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done anything wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. After, after Festus had conferred with his counsel, he declared, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. A few days later, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to pay their respects to Festus. Since they were spending many days there, Festus discussed uh, Paul's case with the king, he said, there's a man here who, whom Felix left as a prisoner. When I went to Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews brought charges against him and asked that he be condemned. I told them that it is not the Roman custom to hand over any man before he has faced his accusers and has had an opportunity to defend himself against their charges. When they came here with me, I did not delay the case but convened the court the next day and ordered the men to be brought in. When his accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Instead, they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion, about a dead man named Jesus whom Paul claimed was alive. I was at a loss how to investigate such matters, so I asked if he would be willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial there on these charges. When Paul made his appeal to be held over for the emperor's decision, I ordered him held until I could send him to Caesar. And when Agrippa said to Festus, then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. And he replied, tomorrow you will hear him. Everyone, you may be seated. This morning we are looking at a passage of scripture that goes from chapter 25 of the book of Acts, and it continues clear over to chapter 26. It's one complete unit chapter 25 and also uh, chapter 26 that we have here of the account that we have concerning Paul and concerning uh, Festus and also King Agrippa. Now, I've said it before in our study of the book of Acts that the book of Acts is a historical book and it gives us accounts of what actually took place in, in Paul's life and not only Paul's life, but the early life of the early church. It gives us account after account of the Holy Spirit moving and working through the early church. And in this particular uh, portion of the Bible, of the book of Acts, we have the story of Paul. Before that, we had Peter and we had Philip and many of these other 
pioneers of the faith. But here we find the Apostle Paul, and he's in prison. And the last time we, 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 we spoke on, on Paul, you remember that he was before the governor Felix. And now he's, under the, he's, he's coming under Governor Festus. And what we see here in the passage of Scripture, and there's a four points that I want to bring out this morning, and they're going to be quick points. But we find four points that we could take out of this portion of Scripture that I believe are applicable to each and every one of us this morning. In looking at this passage of Scripture, I, I see God at work God at work in this portion of scripture that I've read, bringing maturity within the life of the Apostle Paul. Now you say, is it possible for him to even get more mature than what he has already been? I say, yes, God is always at work in us. God doesn't stop working at us. As long as we have breath and as long as we're alive, God is still at work within our lives trying to bring us into a higher level of spiritual maturity. And we find this in the life of the Apostle Paul. I, I believe that Paul needed to be more mature for what was up ahead. God always prepares us for what's up ahead. I remember when I came out of the hospital experience and after my operation, because my heart was functioning so well. You see, before the operation, I was having trouble as far as breathing, I was very limited for a period of about 15 years in doing what I wanted to do. I would always like to jog, but I couldn't jog. I wanted to play baseball, couldn't play baseball. I, I couldn't walk too fast because of the complications that I had with my heart. But right after the operation, as soon as they gave me that bionic valve, <laughs> and they made me a bionic man, I had a whole lot of energy. And the reason why I had a whole lot of energy was because the, the heart was pumping and that valve was working. When before the valve would not even open, it just opened a little bit, I couldn't get that blood circulating to the brain. But all of a sudden, they gave me a new valve and that valve was opening wide, I'll tell you. And I had a whole lot of energy. So what I did is I, I, I wanted to run. In fact, the doctor said you should go out and do some exercise and just get out. And he, I says, could I run? He says, yes, just, just run. As, do as much as you could do. Well, I mean, I felt so energetic that I went out and I began to run. And I was running, running, and I figured I could run. Let me try to run for at least three miles. And it felt so good that I was able to run without getting any pains in my chest. But what I failed to realize was that even though my heart was functioning well, my feet or my legs <laughs> were still not up to par. You see, my heart was functioning well. My heart was telling me to go. I had the drive. I had the desire. But as I was running, all of a sudden, my legs gave in and I went flying through the air. Flying through the air. I, my legs just gave in on me and I went flying. And I remember that I just had to turn around and I was just going to fall on my face. And I just fell on my knees and I fell to the side. And it was a lesson that I learned 
that I needed to build my spiritual leg, my physical legs before I could run. And the very same way, if we're going to do something for God, and if God is going to use us in a very powerful way, and we want to do great things for God, then we need to have a firm foundation before God is able to really use us the way he wants to use us. The more God wants to use us, the stronger the foundation we need. And this is what we see in the life of the Apostle Paul. In fact, it says in, in John chapter 15 and verse 1 and 2, it says, we have the words of Jesus here, and it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The branches that don't bear fruit, it takes away. But every branch that bears fruit, and many of you are bearing fruit, many of you are in the process of growth within your life. He says, every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. See, the more, the more you serve God, the more God wants you to serve him. And the more he will deal with you as his child. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 11 and 12, it says, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father the son in whom he delights. And then also it says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7 to 11, It is, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we have earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respect them. Shall we not much more rather be subject to the Father of Spirit and live? For they discipline us for a short time, as seem best to them, but he disciplines us for good, that we may share his holiness. All discipline, notice what it says, all discipline for the moment. And there are some of you that may be under the heavy disciplined hand of God. All discipline is for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So as you can see, God has a way of producing maturity in us, and the way he produces maturity in us is many times through testings and also trials that come our way. And this is precisely what we see happening with the Apostle Paul. And you would think of Paul and say, is he going to have any more trials? Is he going to go through any more tribulation and, and persecution? I mean, he's gone through a lot already. But there are four testings that we find here in the passage of Scripture that Paul goes through. And I believe not only Paul, but this is also applicable to our day today. And it very well could be possible that some of you may be going through some of these four testings that I want to bring out very quickly this morning. The first test that Paul is being put through and I believe God is at hand in it. And you always see God is at hand in it. There isn't anything that we don't go through that God is not at work. If you're going through whatever you're going through is because, because God has permitted. 
Because you are the child of God and you are under his protection and you are in his hands. The very way, same way Paul was, we also are this morning. The first one is this. We find in the life of Paul, in the passage of scripture, we find him being tested. The first test that we find in this passage is what you would call a prolonged delay. Prolonged delay. I want you to notice what it says here in, in chapter 24 and verse 27. It says, when two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. Now I want you to notice, Paul was in prison and the governor was Felix, remember that? He had his wife, his wife was called Drusilla, right? And he was under Felix for two years. Felix, Felix came, kept him in prison. And he gave him liberty because he knew that Paul wasn't guilty and even his friends could come in and out and visit him. But nonetheless, he was still in prison. And for two years. And after a two-year period that Paul was in prison, then Felix was called back to Rome. There was a recall in Felix's governorship. And the reason why they called Felix back was because of the uprising of the Jews. The Jews began to uprise and there were riots and there was problems. And because of that, Rome called him back. They weren't happy with Felix, his leadership, his governorship, and they called him back to Rome. And instead of Felix releasing him, instead of Felix releasing Paul, knowing that Paul wasn't guilty of those charges that were, that were uh, laid against him, Instead of releasing him to do a favor to the Jews, it tells us that he kept him there. And two years had passed. Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. And then it tells us that three days after arriving, the providence Festus went up to Caesarea. And then it goes on. And Festus going up to Caesarea, and then from Caesarea going up to Jerusalem. The first point that I want to bring out is this. It's prolonged delay. Instead of, I'm sure that in Paul's mind, he felt I didn't do anything wrong. It's been proven that I haven't done anything wrong. It's been two years since they accused me of all these charges that they accused me of. Surely now that Felix is going back to Rome, he surely is going to set me free. And I want you to notice this. Could you imagine... You, could you imagine Paul, uh, a man that is so driven with vision? I mean, Paul was not a loafer. Paul was not somebody that was idle. But Paul, throughout his life, you see Paul's journey going from one place to the other place. He was a man that was very actively involved in world evangelism. He was a man that was driven with a mission, a man that was driven by vision. And a man that was always on the go, always doing something for God, always being led by the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, this man finds himself in prison, not being able to do what he desired to do most, to go and to plant churches and go about evangelizing the world. And even after two years of being there in, in prison without being able to do what he desired to do, what he felt God called him to do, then once again, instead of him being released, 
He is not released, but he's detained. And Felix goes back to Rome, and then a new governor comes in, and instead of the new governor release, releasing him, he is still in prison. Now, this is something that is very, very difficult, and I can imagine what Paul was going through. Especially when, if God wanted to, God has a way of releasing us. If God wants, wanted to release him, he could release him in a moment's time. And I'm sure Paul understood that, that I'm, I'm under the hand of God. But in Paul's mind, he must have been imagining and thinking to himself, have I done something wrong? Why am I sitting on the bench? Why has God put me aside? Is it possible that God is never going to use me again? He was human just like you and I, and I could imagine that these thoughts were also going through his mind. Listen, it is not easy to be innocent and to sit in prison for two years and you haven't done a thing. It would have been easier that even though he was in prison and he recognizes the prison of the Lord Jesus Christ, if at least he's moving ahead in the process of moving ahead in the purposes of God and in the purpose or, or the destiny that God had for him. But here it seems to fall on, a, on an idle time and everything stops. All of a sudden everything stops and he's there for two years doing nothing. But just visiting sometimes with his friends that would come and visit him, but everything was at a standstill. It looked like he was sitting on the bench and it looked like also apparently that God had put him aside. Now this is something that many of us go through. There are some of you here this morning that you may be going through that you somehow you feel you're sitting on the bench and somehow you're going through a dry period in your life where you want to see things happen and you want to see things move ahead and things are not moving ahead. I want you to know this that when there are times when God says be still and know that I am God. There are times that we are to move and, and we are to run. Times that we are to walk. But then there's times that God wants us to be still. And sometimes he would put us in a situation where he would keep us still and, and, when, and, and, and we, we, can't, we don't experience uh, his uh, manifestation and we don't see things happening around us. This happens to ministers in the, in the ministry, it, it happens to churches, it happens to pastors, it happens to church leaders, and it happens to Christians that instead of something happening in your life, somehow you're going through a, a dry spell and you're going through a period where things are not taking place and things are not moving as fast as you would like to see them move. Well, God is, is testing you. You're going through a, a testing period in your life because God is preparing you for greater things ahead. Now, what was actually taking place in, in Paul's life, God was, was, was there. But what was actually happening was that God was actually getting him ready for greater things that he had up ahead. But at that particular moment, I could imagine what was going through the mind of the Apostle Paul I am here, I've been here two years. God, when is something going to happen? When are we going to move again? When am I going to get active again? When am I going to stop sitting on the bench? When am I going to get involved? When am I going to see souls saved? When am I going to see the manifestation of your spirit once again? Somehow, 
Things were not moving the way Paul wanted to see them move. But it was God, it was the discipline of God upon his life, bringing about maturity and preparing him for greater things that he had for him ahead. You see, this is the way God works within our lives. Despise not the discipline of God. Don't get over anxious for anything. Be patient. Wait on the Lord. Because God is a faithful God. Don't try to get ahead of God. But wait on the Lord. So you can imagine Paul, his first testing, the testing that he had here, that he was going through, was prolonged delay. Let's get it with it. He knew that he was supposed to go to Rome. He knew that he's supposed to testify to kings and testify to all these different people. And he's saying, well, when is it going to happen? It was delayed. Everything was at a standstill. And it seemingly it seemed that God was, had put him on the side and God wasn't working through him the way he wanted him to work through him. That was a, a trial in the life of Paul. Secondly, Paul not only went through that, prolonged delay, but also he was experienced false accusations. Now you would think that after two years, these Jews would forget about him. Remember that group of Jews? I mean, they wanted to get him, they wanted to, they wanted to execute him. They wanted to kill Paul. You think after two years, he's been two years in Caesarea since he had that, that trial with the Jews. And by the way, even that trial, Paul won. They couldn't, those charges could not, that they had against Paul could not stick. And two years later, Paul figures, well, probably they should have forgot about me by now. But this new governor comes in by the name of Festus. And the first thing he does, he goes to Jerusalem. It tells us over here, three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. And the reason why he wanted to go, he wanted to check things out with the Jews. And he wanted to establish his leadership. And he goes to Jerusalem where the chief priests and Jewish leaders appeared before him and presented again, what? The charges against Paul. The same old charges against Paul. They urgently requested Festus as a favor to them to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem for they were preparing an ambush to kill him along the way. Again, these false accusations against Paul. They were proven that they were false. They didn't have any evidence of all these accusations and all these charges that they brought against Paul. And two years had passed, and these people are still after him. They had so much hate in their hearts towards Paul that even two years later, they still want to prosecute him and even execute him. And they even had an, an ambush set up for him to try to kill him and destroy him. But Festus didn't fall for it. In fact, the commentators tell us that he was a, he was a, he was a good governor compared to the other one. He was a diligent man. And instead of the other one, the other one procrastinated all the time, but this one was very diligent. You see how he moves real fast? He gets things done very quickly. But Paul over here was going through that second trial of the false accusation. And I want you to know this, that if you're being criticized and somebody doesn't like you, you don't have a pity party. I can't understand for the life of me why people, some people leave the church because somebody hurt their feelings. 
Could you that easily be driven from your church? Just because somebody hurt your feelings or somebody, uh, somebody told you something or somebody didn't speak to you or, or some a leader did that to you or the other leader did that to you, all of a sudden you want to pack up and you want to leave because your feelings were hurt. Or maybe because somebody spoke about you, somebody came with a, an unfair accusation against you. These things are going to happen. Don't think it's strange. And especially when you're pressing in in holiness with God and you want to serve God with all of your heart and you're pressing in to be faithful to God, the devil will throw everything against you. You got to expect accusations, false accusations. You got to expect criticism, unfair criticism that will come against you because somehow, some way, you're not going to win a popularity contest. There's always going to be somebody that doesn't like you, and you're going to go through that. And the more God uses you, the more vulnerable you become, the vo more, more visible you become, and the more visible you become, the bigger target you become. So you have to be able to roll with the punches. I get letters of people that misunderstand me sometimes. I get people that say things about me, rumors go flying about me, this and that. Could you imagine if I was going to start having a pity party over every rumor about me? I'd just shine it on. Praise God anyhow. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God anyhow. Hell, let them say whatever they want to say. All I'm knowing, I'm having a good time with Jesus and I'm praising God and I'm going forward for Jesus Christ. One guy started putting flyers about me all over the neighborhood. He was saying that I'm abusing of the congregation and I'm going after the poor people and I'm taking their money and I don't know why the, and I'm building up a, an international cult. You know, a cult. And this guy went and put flyers all over the neighborhood. Am I going to quit the ministry because of that? Newspaper people, newspaper reporters, even the bigger you become, the newspaper reporters, they, they're always looking for something they can say bad about you. Thank God we've had pretty good press. But don't be surprised if ever there's a day that they give us bad press. It's something to be expected. This is something to be expected. When you're doing something for God, you're always going to have those that will falsely accuse you and falsely criticize you. So we have to be prepared for that. And this is precisely what the Apostle Paul was going through. He had gone through two years already of that. And already he finished two years. He, he, he did, he's in jail for innocent of all these charges. And these Jews are still after him. Dogmatic religious Jews that wanted Paul killed. So false accusations. And then not only that, but then we find not only false accusations, but also unfair exploitation. I'll give you that one. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Sonny? Well, they were playing political games. He was a, 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 like a toy, you know, political games with the Apostle Paul. In the first place, Felix did that, didn't he? What is, why is it that Felix did not release him? It says in verse 27, when two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews. Again, for political reasons, Paul was the, the toy that they would toy with, 
and, and he was the one that they would play with. And for political reasons, he granted, was granted a favor to the Jews. He left Paul in prison. So this guy was exploiting Paul. Felix, the governor before, exploited Paul. Unfair exploitation. And then what about uh, Festus? Notice what Festus did. So then it says over here that they wanted, they wanted over here in, in chapter 25, and, and let's move fast through it. It says that they wanted to have Paul go to Jerusalem. It says uh, Jewish leaders appeared before him, in verse, that's in verse 2, and presented charges against Paul. They urgently requested Festus as a favor to them to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem, for they were preparing an ambush to kill him along the way. But Festus answered, Paul is being held at Caesarea, and I myself am going, am going there soon. Let some of you leaders come with me and press charges against the man there if he has done anything wrong. Now, he's coming fresh at this, the governor, and he don't know what's going on. And then it says in verse 6, after spending eight or ten days with him, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he convened the court and ordered Paul to be brought before him. When Paul appeared, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many serious charges against him, which they could not, what? Prove! They didn't have any proof. Then Paul made his defense. I have done nothing wrong against the law of the Jews or against the temple or against Caesar. The same old charges they brought against him. Festus wishing, now notice this again, the exploitation. Festus, say, read it with me. Festus, right? Wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, are you willing to go to Jerusalem and strand, stand trial before me there on these Charges. Once again, he is using Paul as a political ploy to be able to use him for his politi polit political benefit. He was, it's what you would call unfair exploit. He was exploiting Paul once again. And how many people have been exploited? You know, I'm sure that there are people here this morning that somehow you are hurt because of unfair exploitation within your life. Do you know that there are husbands that exploit their wives? There are wives that exploit their husbands? There are pastors that exploit their congregation? There are church leaders that ex exploit those that are under them? There are uh, ministries that exploit other ministries? One of the things that I cannot stand and I detest is when other ministries try to come to the inner city and exploit the ministry of Victory Outreach. Whenever an evangelist comes and tries to exploit our congregation, that rouses me up. I do not like to be exploited by anyone. And I'm sure you don't like to be exploited as well. But somehow, there are times where people come and they unfairly begin to exploit us. And there are some of you here this morning that probably are being exploited and you feel bad about it and, and you're resentful towards that. Well, that's what Paul was going through. He was going through unfair exploitation. And he recognized it. And guess what Paul did? They wanted to take him and he wanted to give him back to the Jews. That's what Festus wanted to do. And the Jews were laying out to kill him. And Paul understood this. Paul understood. Paul said to himself, this governor knows what he's talking about. This governor doesn't know what he, he doesn't know these Jews. Why, if he sends me back to Jerusalem, I'll never make it to Jerusalem because they will ambush me. These people, and what they wanted to do, they didn't want a fair trial. They didn't have any charges against him. They just wanted an outright an execution. 
They wanted to kill him. And this governor was willing to give him up just to get favor with the Jews. And Paul understood that. So notice what Paul did. Paul then says over here, it says in, uh, in verse 10, and Paul answered and said, he asked Paul, would you be willing to go to Jerusalem? And Paul answered and said, I'm now standing. Notice what he said. He uses his citizenship, Roman citizenship, and all the rights that he has as a Roman citizen. And Paul answered and says, I'm now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done anything wrong to these Jews, as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty, if you could prove that I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. And then he says, I appeal to Caesar. Now, what do you think Paul did that? I think Paul wanted to expedite a little bit more the will of God, you know? Because remember God told him that he was going to go to Rome and that he was going to be a witness in Rome? Well, Paul, when I expedite, he had the opportunity to expedite it a little bit faster, so he says, I appeal to Caesar. And any Roman citizen always had the right to appeal it to a higher court. Just like if you would say today, I'm going to appeal it to Supreme Court. I'm not happy with the decision in this court, so I appeal to Supreme Court. So to Supreme Court you go, because you have the right. Well, what did Festus say? He says, well, he says, you appeal to Caesar, unto Caesar you will go. See? So we find over here that it was unfair exploitation. And then last of all, in appealing to Caesar, I want to tell you, it's like going from, a, it's like going from the frying pan into the fire. Because if you read up a little bit, and maybe we'll talk about it the next time, but if you read a, little, read a little bit about Nero appealing to Caesar, he was going to be, go before a, a lunatic. He was going to go before Nero. And, and this guy was terrible, terrible, terrible. I mean, he had a bad, bad reputation. He did horrible things. And here he's saying, I'm, I'm appealing to go to Caesar, because I know he's saying that I, I may not know everything, and that brings us to our fourth point about an uncertain future. Paul must have been thinking, I wonder what's going to happen to me up in Rome. Here I'm, I'm leaving this governor. He's not too bad. In fact, Felix wasn't too good, but he wasn't too bad. This guy here is not too bad, but now I am going to go to Rome, and I'm going before this guy, before Nero, before Caesar. And he knew the reputation of Caesar. He knew the reputation of Nero. So you can imagine there was the uncertainty concerning the future. And there are some of you here this morning that you may feel that. And you may feel uncertain about your future because of situations that have taken place within your life. I want you to know this. Hear me now this morning. That no matter what the situation in your life, no matter what you may be going through this morning, no matter what the devil may be telling you, I want you to know without a shadow of doubt that God is a faithful God and God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Those of you that are worrying about your future, 
There are some of you that are worried, I'm getting old, and what's going to happen to me? And, and what about this, and what about that, and what about this situation, the other situation? Let me tell you, this. just anchor yourself to the promises of God. If God gave you a promise, anchor yourself to that promise. As you're going through the tempest, as you're going through those uncertain times, anchor yourself to the promises of God, because God is faithful to his promises. Focus on that. I can imagine Paul thinking about Rome and saying, man, I'm going to go before this terrible guy, but all I know is that I had a vision of Jesus Christ. Remember that vision he had? When I was discouraged one day, he says, Jesus came to me, and he came right into my cell, and he told me that I was going to go to Rome, and I was going to be a witness to all those governors and, and all those kings and, and all those officials in Rome that God had a purpose for my life. And he says, and praise God, I want to put my trust and my confidence in the promises of God. I'm going to Rome. I'm going the direction of the purpose and the will of God in my life. Even though I don't see it all clearly, even though the future may be uncertain as far as the naturalized concern, but I know that my hand is in the hands of Jesus, and he will guide me, and he will lead me on. Are you going through a situation in your life where the future is uncertain. Evidence gives you the very opposite and negative reports and maybe going through negative situations and circumstances. Then put your hand in the hand of Jesus Christ and he will lead you on. He knows the way and he will lead us on because he is a faithful God. He's a faithful God. Are you going through something? If you are, then rejoice. Rejoice. God is at work in your life this morning. You know when you got to you know you got to worry when nothing has happened, everything is going too smooth. If everything's going too smooth then maybe you don't have a father. But if you do have a heavenly father, he's going to discipline you. And not only when you're bad, but even when you're good. He says, you're doing good, but I want you to do better. So I'll give you some more trials. And I'll give you some more testing. Because I want the best in your life. And I want you to produce fruit. That's what God wants for us this morning. Listen, God is maturing us. He loves us, and he's at work within our lives, and he's maturing us. If you're sitting on the bench, don't worry about it. He may keep you on the bench for a little while, but he's working at He's working in your life. When you're sitting on the bench, learn your lesson. Remember, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's faithful to those promises that he's made in your life. And we need to stand still and know that he is God. Are you being abused? False accusation? Being exploited? Well, praise him anyhow. Say, praise God anyhow. Amen? God is a faithful God.
I want you to stand with me right now. Those of you, listen, this way, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not everybody, not everybody. I'm going to ask those of you that you say, Pastor Sonny, we're not going to have you come up to the altar, but right where you are, I needed that message this morning. You know, I, I had to pull out those points because it's a historical passage, but when you look at it, you find some of the things that Paul went through. And I believe there are people that are going through, I believe there are people that are going through those four things, at least one of those four things this morning. And you say, Pastor Sonny, I needed that. I needed that confirmation that God is with me. Then I want you to stand right where you are. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.